0: have your Bible go with me to the book of Acts. We're um, in the book of Acts chapter 5. Again, that's Acts chapter five. I don't know if I'm going to finish this portion this morning, but I'm going to do my very best to do so. Um, God has a word for us. Amen. Acts 5:29. Through 32, I've already lost track of how many parts we've done already. I know we're well over 11 already, 10, 11. And so um, I want to title this section this morning as, Why God Over Man? Why God Over Man? In Acts 5, 29, verse uh, 29 through 32, it says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. And God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. The New King James Version calls him the prince And Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. That's a powerful verse, right there. And so is the Holy Spirit a witness, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Let us pray. Father, we give You thanks this morning. We ask You, God, that we would be attentive to Your Holy Spirit as it speaks to us. As a vessel, God, that I would not look to myself for wisdom, but to You. Lord, I turn off the man, and I turn on the spiritual man that I would hear from you, relay the message that you have given to me for this body of believers and for those that are viewing. Lord, that hope, power, authority, and freedom would come to your people this morning. Miracles, Lord. That we would be enlightened, Father, that we would our eyes would open up to truth this morning and revelation, God. Build up your church A great need is arising, Father, and your church is being prepared for a need. God, stir up our hearts, Father, that we would be sensitive to the needs around us, God. That we would be sensitive to the needs of the church. Father, we give you thanks because your coming is imminent. The Son, Jesus Christ, your coming is imminent. It's right around the corner. Ready our hearts, Father. Get us ready, Lord, that we would, uh, uh, you know, be ready for your coming, Lord. That we would serve you the days of our lives. We give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for courage to stand up in a world that tries to silence us. That we would remain courageous as the days come, difficulties come. That we would trust in you, Lord, that our lives belong to you. Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. You know, I, I believe that this is a great moment for me to tell you this morning that there will come a time, and maybe you felt the effect of this choice already in a life as a Christian, where we will have to choose whether to obey God or man. And the reason I explained this choice that we will have to make sooner or later The reason why I explain this choice to be one that we have not felt the full effect of is because although the coming of Christ is imminent, and before, we will be presented with greater persecutions and harder choices that will define the identity of our faith in an end time world. We will be presented with more difficulty than we had ever faced in all of our life. In an end time world. And here we see the men of the law. State that they had strictly charged Peter and the apostles. Not to teach in the name of Jesus. And here we see. That when the law of man. Comes into conflict with the law of God. The law of God always overrules. Let me say that again. When the law of man. Comes into conflict. With the law of God, the law of God will always overrule. Now understand that it does not diminish the need to consider the laws of the land that are given. But if they are contradicting to the word of God, We see in many instances where the men of God of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, sought to obey the laws of the land just as long as it did not conflict with the laws of God. And in many instances, we see that the men and women of God disobeyed the laws of the land because they conflicted with the laws of God. You know, for the most part, we as Christians are commanded to obey the authorities that are over us. How many are in agreement with me? I'll give you a couple verses as to prove that. Romans 13.1, we love this one. I know a lot of people that uh, um, uh, uh, fight for this verse to be the Christian life. Let every soul, Romans 13.1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are what? Ordained by God. That's what the word of God says. That these powers that we see, God has instituted them. For our benefit. Now, Titus 3.1 declares, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. To obey magistrates. And to be ready to every good work. First Peter 2.13 declares, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Somebody say, for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme. It is only when the law of man is in conflict with the law of God that we yield to the higher law of God. Instances uh, where we see men and women of God that defied the laws of man for the law of God are, do you remember Nebuchadnezzar and the three Hebrew boys being forced to worship the golden image at the sound of music? They said, we will not bow or worship only but the true God. And because of it, what happened? They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And it was heated seven times hotter. I tell you, the people of God are experiencing a seven times hotter furnace today. We get a seven times hotter uh, 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 a consequence when it comes to the message of the gospel. But let me say this. In the end times the furnace will be heated seven times hotter in a way you've never felt the heat of the world in ever at any time of your life. It will be perilous and difficult and persecuting times for the people of God. But these three Hebrew boys being forced to worship, they denied to be forced, and they said, we will not bow down. We will not worship the golden image at the sound of music. They said, our worship... Belongs to God. Our knees bending belongs to God. We will not live for anybody else. So do what you got to do. They were thrown into the fury furnace. And the Bible says that the, the king ordered that the commander go and check on them. When he went over there, he was burned to death. They said, you know what? We see a fourth person in there. Ahí está la cuarta persona. We see the fourth person in there uh, as the image of the Son of God. When you stand up for God, the fourth person is there. The fourth person is there. When you stand up for what belongs to God as law, and as it being supreme in your life, God has your back. And we see that they defied the laws of the land because it went into conflict with the laws of God. Don't forget about Shifra and Pura. They were commanded by the king of Egypt to what? In Exodus 15, they were commanded to kill Hebrew babies if they were boys. But in the perhaps the first recorded instance, and I want to just say this Shifra and Pura were basically the first recorded instance of civil disobedience in all of human literature. Shifra and Purah. They were the gutsy grannies. That's what they called it. The gutsy grannies. The grandmas that were gutsy. (laughs) Because they defied a nation's law to kill all of the firstborn. Boys. Hebrew boys. And what did they do? They said, we will not do it. In Exodus chapter 15, they said that The midwives feared God and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but they let the boys live. They let the boys live. You know, I'm not aware of any laws that directly violate the laws of God. Now you might say, well, I I beg to differ. When I'm talking about laws, I'm talking about they are enforced whether you believe in God or not. It is a law and we got to do it. There is not a law right now that forces abortion. It gives an opportunity. It is a choice of the person. But the time will come where it will not allow a choice. It will be law, just as stated here in these instances. We got to be ready for that. I'm not aware of any laws that directly violate the laws of God, but we are surely getting very close. And I'm certain that in the coming years, there will be certain laws that will rise against the church and even speaking out against sins. One of these especially is the sin of homosexuality. You know, I think if these laws are enacted, then I feel that we should take the position that the apostles took to obey God rather than men. The position of teaching God's whole word and against sin of all forms. Everywhere. That the Bible speaks as sin to God. We must take a stand. And we will not be silent in church. Because to obey God rather than man is the motive. We are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. And being an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ means that you are representing the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not get to decide what is the message or what is not the message. There's a reason why God allows wickedness to be fruitful on the earth. Because He wants to know who will take a stand. The Lord allows the enemy to allow himself to do what he wants to do. And at times it seems as if the devil has the upper hand. But God is in control. God is always in control. He has the last word. His word is supreme over Satan. We see this to be the case even with Job and Satan. Satan went and asked, asked God for permission. And God said, do what you got to do, but do not touch his soul. And what did the devil do? He touched his family. He touched his riches. He touched his body. But he was not allowed to touch his soul. And God proved that what? He is in charge even when the devil feels like he is. Even when he feels like he is. And when we see the world coming to its uh, a poverty, and we see the world coming to its wickedness, we think like, man, the devil got the upper hand. He does not have an upper hand. God has allowed certain things to take place to see if the church will be the church that has been... Declared to be washed by the blood of Jesus, sanctified, restored, and renewed for the glory of His name in these moments. But there are a lot of people that get discouraged and scurry away. There's a lot of people of God that get discouraged and fall in line with the laws of this world. That... Truly and clearly, conflict with the laws of God. You know, just understand this. This is the joy of being a disciple. You do not have to fall in line if it goes against the law of God. Now, you might say, Well, Pastor, that's contradicting. You know, I I don't want that. Don't worry about the persecution. You have to understand this. The law of God should be the most supreme thing in your life. You should not worry about how the world is going to come against you. It's going to happen inevitably, it's going to happen against you. If it doesn't happen today it will happen one day if it doesn't happen today it will happen one day against you you will feel the weight of persecution at some point you probably might don't feel it now you probably fall in line now but the time will come where the world will put you in a corner and they will say make a choice make a choice and you would I would pray that you would be in that corner saying I already did I already made my choice Oh, you did. Yeah, I made my choice 17 years ago when you weren't in my life and I was on the street and the Lord saved me. I made my choice a long time ago. But you know, many of us, we're not making a choice until we are presented persecution. No, make your choice now. Make your elect sure in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Make sure that the enemy knows where you stand. We cannot be silent until the time gets tough. Make your choice now. Make your elect... Your your election, sure, now in the Lord Jesus Christ. We wait until for it to get tough. Well, when that day comes, I'll worry about it. No, worry about it right now. Because when you're presented with your children suffering or your family suffering, I I promise you the weight of saying, what do I do is going to be right there. You got to start building your faith up now to say whatever it takes, the Lord is going to come first at all cost. At all cost. There was a story about, seven years ago, of a family in Russia, uh, no, Germany. Family in Germany. That figured out that in the school of their children, they were teaching evolution, and teaching an informal uh, teaching on biology and sex. And and so the parents decided, they said, you know what, we're taking them out. We're going to homeschool them. Well, little did you know that in Germany... It is against the law to homeschool your children. Still to this day, it is against the law to homeschool your children. They believe that it violates every opportunity for your child to grow and learn in life. And so they pulled their children out and a lawsuit came against them of the government. For every day that they were uh, not taking their child to school, it was $250. But not only that, the mom and the dad, they were put into jail for months. And the child, the children were inside of a kind of like a foster care home being taken to school. uh, um, Being pushed to be able to be uh, 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 forced into having their children go back to public school. Well, back in, I believe it was 2017, they won that uh, case against Germany. And they were, they left and exiled Germany and came to the United States. They now live in, I believe it's in Texas. Or Tennessee, I'm sorry. They live in Tennessee. And they won the case not to be deported back to Germany. But still to this day, Germany is still enforced that you cannot homeschool your children. Thousands of dollars that they did not get back months of prison that they were not able to get back. They lost the case in Germany, but they won the case to not be deported back from here, the United States. What is going to happen when the world starts putting a pressure upon your life? And I I feel it even to this day with my children. I'm fed up with the rules and the regulations that this world imposes on us as the people of God. I didn't say families, the people of God, the people of God, because it's a one-way road with them. We're looked at as harmful beings for upholding the superior law of God in our lives. But I'm not going to be apologetic about it anymore. I cannot be, because it's not going to get any easier. And my apology is no longer valid as the days go by. It becomes, it becomes nullified to their knowledge. It will never be accepted. And we are got to get to a place in time where we start accepting that it, it is what it is. We've got to take a stand. We have to take a stand. And when the world hears this message, they will say, oh man, it's a cult. He's raising up a cult. That's what the leaders of the law were saying up against the apostles. Oh, they're raising up a cult. They're raising up radicals. No, this ain't no radical. It's that the law of God was standard. The law of God was established upon the earth between a man and a woman to procreate. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. It was established for man and women to labor the ground. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There are certain things that we cannot go against. And when the laws of the land start going against the law of God, I want to be the first to tell you, the law of God is superior. Don't be afraid to say that. That the law of God is superior. Superior. It's the ultimate authority. That's the authority we live by. And if it contradicts our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you got to make a hard decision. You have to make a hard decision to say God over man. God over man. You know, last year when we were forced, what? They they were telling us no singing. The ban on worship. I thought of Daniel. He was thrown into the lion's den for it and we were persecuted for it too. Oh, you guys are selfish. You guys can't stop singing in the church. Dummies. Is that okay? Amen. Is that alright? <laughs> Come on, wake up. Yeah. Is that alright? Right? Dummies. The same guys that say, Well, you, you can't be singing, you're spreading the virus. Yeah, but as it's coming out, the Holy Spirit's like kinda of disintegrating it in the air. What <laughs> <laughs> whether that be the case or not. But what can we trust of the of man? Got to wear a mask. And you put on the mask, and now it's two. Put two masks on. Later on, you're walking around with a globe on your head. What's going on? (laughs) You're you're laughing, but it's true. If you look, some of the ads on on social media, they had these guys selling full-on plastic, like we were on Mars, walking on a, a world with no oxygen. Suits, literally. <laughs> I said to myself, man, they better brush their teeth every day. Because <laughs> if not, they're going to be smiling their own breath. Maybe it will teach them to brush their teeth. You know, but just think, look, what can we trust of man? Because the laws of man are not absolute. They're always changing, always modifying. We're learning and God is knowing. You didn't hear what I just said. I'm going to say it again. We're learning and God is knowing. The Bible says He's all knowing. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Hallelujah. He knows where that demonic virus came out of. He knows the face of the person that created it you did not understand, let me just get a little more deep. He knows how ugly that face looks. He knows the heart of the person. I, I pray you think of the most ugliest face. Yeah. And if that person's alive and listening to this video, shame on you. There's hope for you if you, you repent. Right? That's what we want. But the wickedness of man is always changing. The laws of man are always changing. Why? Because the knowledge of man is not to its cusp. It's not to its. Uh, 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 uh. It's not to its full already. True knowledge is found in the Lord. And even in our knowledge in God, there are things that are lacking. It is not until we stand before God and we are given this new life in the Lord Jesus Christ that in that moment, we are given every... Now, now you might say, well, pastor, in this life to have a lot of questions. I believe that in the glory of God and in the presence of the Lord, when we enter into that eternity with our God, all the questions of this lifetime will come to an answer. The things that... It won't even matter. Why? Because your eyes will be open. Some say, well, you know we won't remember the things of this life we won't remember it's not that you won't remember it's that it will be irrelevant because the knowledge that you have of God will be such a knowledge that in this world and in this lifetime you didn't have you have to understand that in the presence of God the knowledge the full knowledge of the son of God comes into your life we are restored with a new body You might say, well, are we still going to cry? Are we going to remember our loved ones? You will. But you will not cry. You will not be hurt. What's going to end up happening is that your knowledge is going to be a knowledge you didn't have here on earth. That was affected by emotion. Your eyes would be open to understand the reality of God's plan. And you will worship the Lord, not in sadness of the world or the past. You will worship God in the knowledge of what you see him like for all of eternity. You want to know why you cry in this lifetime? Because you want to understand the fullness of God in this vessel, this earthen vessel that is limited in its knowledge. We don't cry because of the situation. We cry because we're frustrated that we don't understand. Why? you're frustrated that your human nature cannot understand fully what God is doing. The incompetence of man is our our discouragement. But that is why we are spiritually led and not carnally led. That's why we cannot have trust in man and it always has to be our trust in God. That is why it always has to be God over man. Look what Daniel, the servant of the living God, said. Has your God, the the, the king came to Daniel and said, Has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? And look what Daniel's response was. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they have not harmed me. (laughs) I love this part. Because I've read this so many times, but I pray that it changed your life forever. Concerning the laws of this land and how they contradict the laws of God. He said, And they have not harmed me. These lions did not harm me since I was found innocent before God. What matters is that we're found innocent before God. Man will always change its laws where we look uninnocent, where we look guilty. But God is saying, what matters is the last word and that is me. Do you look guilty before me? And he said, the lions did not consume me because I was found innocent before him and also toward you, O king. What did he say? In other words, he was saying... Not to the king because you put me through this test, you see that it did not harm me. No, God said, I see you innocent before the king. So whatever the king does to you, don't worry about it. I'm going to show you that I, you're innocent in my eyes to what you are doing. And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Not only was Daniel not harmed, but in God's eyes, he was innocent to God, which is the divine and ultimate authority of man, should be. Two, No crime was committed against human authority. Wow. He didn't commit a crime against the Medes and the Persians? Not in God's eyes. Church, not in God's eyes. Church, not in God's eyes. And you got to be careful that the lens that you are looking at your actions are not more revering to the world than they are to God. Your eyes need to be more revering and more sensible to the things of the Lord, to the laws of God, to the way of living for God. Not in God's eyes. Daniel was innocent in God's eyes and he declared to the clean. The lion's mouth was shut because God found him innocent. And what Daniel cared most about was the approval of God above all else. He feared God more than man and violated a temporary mandate. In order to follow God in His daily pattern of prayer. I tell you, the world many times gets us off of our daily pattern with God. Interrupts our fidelity to the Lord. Interrupts our commitment to God. Just look at the first three weeks of this pandemic. People that we had in place in leadership, gone, never seen again. Broke the pattern for them. Broke their commitment. Wow. This is the reason I want to emphasize on the word must. This is why I want to emphasize on how verse 29 says, we must obey God rather than man. That word must, I love why, that they put must. I'm not too in accord with the King James version of ought. You might say, well, pastor, you know, it, 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 it's not a shame, but I, I, would have, I would have hoped that they would have interpreted the word as must because the, the word day uh, in the Hebrew is, is more of a certain law of must. We do must, not an ought. Acts 5 29, the King James Version says ought. And although ought is somewhat the same, ought is the same as what? Should, ought, and must. You might say, well, what's the difference? What's the difference between should, ought, and must? You might say, well, pastor, come on, pastor. There's really no difference between should, ought, and must. Let me break it down for you. Should is informal. When somebody says you should, it's very informal. What they're saying is non like a good suggestion, right? It would do you good if you... The best thing to do in this case is you should it's kind of like you don't have to but it's there if you want it right then you got the next person that say well you ought to ought is more formal but it is used for more pressing moral matter now some would say well well then ought is a good thing because if it means that it is it is directly tied to morality man's morality no it is not because man's morality is different for everybody. Everybody's morality is different. For some of us something is wrong and for others it's right. It's not until you use the word must. Come on somebody. It's not until you use the word must that we are talking a law weight. Must is used to express the need of the hour or necessity which has to be Done. It has to be done. So when I say, uh, well, you ought to buy the tickets. Right? You tell somebody, well, you ought to buy your tickets already because they might go up. You ought to buy them. It's more formal, right? And You're like, you you better buy them. Then there comes a moment where like, you must buy your tickets. And then you go and look and they're like $600. you're like, oh, man. You pay the price of a lenient word in your action. They heard from God. The apostles heard from God not a should, not an a not. They really heard the word must. The charge that they had received from God was a must. And and, you know, we're charged by the angels to, to God's message. You are charged to teach. You are charged. It is a must that you live for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not a shoulda. It is not a, you know, coulda. It's not a, you know, an ought of. You know, it is a must. It is a must. And because it's a must, it is a crime to man. Defiance to man's law. So they stated that the task was a must. A straightforward, no ifs or buts faith. And when you say must, you have defined divine imperative to do it. The apostles lived by the must. Somebody say must. And I know this because they paid with their lives for the gospel message. And that made it evident that they lived the must life in the Lord Jesus Christ. They lived a straightforward message life for Christ to the world. A God over man driven life. And and you know you know, that, that, that's very important because I, wa- I want to just ask you a question. Which Christian are you today? Which one do you adhere more to this morning? Are you a should Christian? Are you a not a Christian? Or are you a must Christian? Why oh, I should. Or oh, I ought Or are you a I must? Think about it. Don't tell me. Only you know. Are you a shoulda, oughta, or must? The time will come and show when the times become more pressing. If you were a shoulda, if you were an oughta, or are you a must? The disciples showed in difficult times that they were must believers must we must obey God rather than man and so let us dive into these next three verses and I I promise you that I'm trying the best that I can but verse 20 29 it says the God of our fathers somebody say the God of our fathers I believe the, apostles, uh, the Apostle Peter mentioned this segment. This is very powerful. You might say this is irrelevant. It's very relevant. Because the God of our fathers was for a reason. Peter was setting up a ministering point that their doctrine is missing the key element of completion. That's why he said, the God of our fathers. And what can we learn from this? The world is missing the key to all of that they profess and preach. They speak healing, they speak acceptance, they speak hope, they speak love, they speak compassion, they speak truth, they they speak courage. They preach that we're dealing with this, uh, uh, you know, uh, dealing with pressing issues and we need to love each other and we need to be more unified. All of these things originate from the Son, Jesus Christ. But it is the same fallacy of Peter's day. Because they wanted all of the good stuff without the name. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. And what Peter is doing here is he is saying, look, all of the good things that you preach are nullified if Christ Jesus is not accepted. This is powerful because he said the God of our fathers, what he's doing is he's making a point of of, of completion here. He's making a point. They don't see it. But Peter is saying, look, we have a lot in common because it is the God of our fathers. But the God of our Father sent His only begotten Son, come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord, so that He would die for a world in need of redeeming back to the Father. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. And when I hear people start talking about uh, good vibes and hope and love and unity, I say, yes, that's good, but it comes into completion in the Son, Jesus Christ. This is a good thing because I want you to live in hope. I want you to live in love. I want you to live in peace. I want health. I want hope. I want healing to you yes but without the son it may not be possible it cannot come into completion the world and heaven God's eternity and world's coming to an end comes into completion in one man one name that changes it all and that name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth he who came he who was is and is to come without the Lord Jesus Christ it cannot come to completion This is powerful because he said the God of our fathers. The world talks about healing and acceptance and hope and love and compassion and truth and courage. And we're dealing with the same fallacy of Peter's day even today. Because although all of these attributes are good and positive, only in Christ they can be attained. And much more, just as the Pharisee neglected Jesus here in this message. They, uh, the world today does the same thing. They neglect the very person. Nullifies, And what does it end up doing? Because they neglect the person, it nullifies the hope and promise of their message. The world preaches all the good stuff, but without the need of Jesus. Listen, they sell this, you can have it without Jesus. And many false doctrines are selling, uh, selling into it, buying into it. But I want to remind you that with Jesus Christ, the vine, you can do all things? Come on, somebody. That without Jesus Christ, the vine, you can do all things? Oh, the world gets enraged when we say, you can do nothing. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that without Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. Without Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. And see, we've drawn this invisible little line. We say, well, the line is there. You know, the truth is there. But it's so invisible that man cannot really define the difference. Listen. we got to get back to that place where we write it in with the dark sharpie. That man can do nothing apart from the Lord. That he is the vine and we are the branch, and that without the Lord, you can do nothing your plans and your dreams will come to a ruin without the Lord Jesus Christ your home will not have the peace and the joy that it needs without the Lord Jesus Christ You know your life will not get in order without the Lord Jesus Christ buy this, buy that invest into this, invest into that but all of it will go down the drain there is no hope on earth, above, uh, under heaven other than but in the name of Jesus Christ I'm not preaching you Manny I'm not preaching you Step of Faith Church I'm preaching you Jesus, that without Jesus you ain't going nowhere. You can start, but you ain't gonna finish. You can plan, but you ain't never going to see it through. Why? Because without the Lord Jesus Christ, it shall not be accomplished. But when you have the Lord on your side, no matter which devil stands up, doesn't matter which sickness comes up, the matter which person stands up against. You. I don't care if there is a storm in all of hell against your life when you are ordained by God. When God God is on your boat, when God has ordained your steps, there is nothing that can stop the plan of the Lord. Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. There's a reason why I live a God over man life. Because without God, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. The world preaches all the good stuff, but without Jesus. Without Jesus. Don't say Jesus. And they told Peter, hey, hey, we strictly charge you not to teach in that name. In other words, we want all the good stuff, but just don't. I believe if they they would have said, well, in your life, there there needs to be hope and love and peace and joy. They would have said, wow, man, that sounds great. Awesome. Pray, man, awesome. It's when you say. And in Jesus, it's made complete. What, what are you talking about? Hey, don't say that. Why well, run this ministry? Well, if it doesn't glorify Jesus, it ain't no ministry. But we, we have this program and we, we, we give hope and silently we give Jesus. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Because I would rather be rejected by men. I'd rather be rejected by men and know that what? That Jesus Christ is receiving the glory. And you might say, well, pastor, this doesn't exist. Look around. Wake up open your eyes, start looking at these major corporations that what? that do good but don't want to say Jesus that, that give but don't want to say Jesus, that help restore people but don't want to say Jesus, why? because you might have a, a Buddhist that comes in and you might have a, a Muslim that comes in and you might have somebody of this faith that comes in but you know what we got to get down to the nitty gritty where the rubber meets the road and it is this, that if Jesus ain't included it ain't going to happen, it's got to be Jesus or it's nothing, you're you, You'll start good, but you're going to end up failing. Why? Because without Jesus Christ being the center of our faith, the author and the finisher, come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord, it is for nothing. Come on, I don't know if I have a church that backs me up in this, but I'm saying if it ain't Jesus, forget about it. We do good. We see all these things doing good. They're doing good. But not offering Jesus. I guarantee you, the moment they start only in Jesus, you'll start seeing them close up. One by one. Close up, close up, close up, close up. That's why the last thing that cannot neglect the name of Jesus is the church. The reason why churches are turning from, you know, churches and changing their name to centers. Well, because if we say center, we'll get a little bit more of Donations. Giving it to the world. Well, if we change the name to Center, we'll be more of that nonprofit 501c3. The moment you put Center and you remove Church, what you're saying is that your providence and your, your source comes from the world. I'd rather be in all bad with the world, but in all good with God. And I'm going to tell you why because the favor of God is greater than anything that the world can ever give to the church the favor of God, you didn't clap as hard as when I was preaching about a, two, a minute ago but I'm telling you, the favor of God is better than anything that the world can give the favor of God is better than any favor that the world can give, you know you ought to thank the Lord that he maintains the church, he's the one that keeps the lights on he's the one that makes sure the light is uh, the water is flowing in here he's the one that blesses the body when the when the enemy comes against the church like a floodgate and the world starts coming against the church, the Lord lifts up a standard against them, he can form and fashion everything he wants but it shall not prevail it shall not overcome all of gates of hell let the devil call every demon he got in his phone book if God is for me then who can be against me I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me come on somebody bless the name of the Lord I feel the presence of God this morning God is in this place stand up for God Stand up for God. Stand up for the Lord. Stand up. Make a stand. Take a stand. Don't be afraid to live for that name. And when the world pressures you to say, not just that name, you have to stand up and say, no, only in that name. Only in that name. Only in that name can man be saved. Only in that name it's going to be offensive, Pastor. Get ready, because whether you say it nicely or or mean, it's, it's going to become offensive regardless. Look at this one world government that socialism and one world government that's trying to be pushed. A one-world government means a one-world religion. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker that has all the faiths in it? Coexist. Boy, if I can do it and I get caught, I'd go with the little razor and I'd cut out, cut all the all the other ones. And just leave the one in the Lord, Jesus Christ, just leave that one right there. But they'd call it a hate crime. We ought to say, hey, bring your gods. Pray to the little santitos. Let, let, let's put a sacrifice here. Oh, hey, don't do that, Pastor. You know, it, it, it's, it's not those days. That you, oh, yes, it is. Let the the world know that only the Lord can consume the sacrifice. That's a message in itself. Let the world see that your faith is so strong that he'll consume the sacrifice. That the fire of God will come down when you pray. Let us have so much faith that in the middle of drought we would say, it's going to rain. In the name of the Lord, it's going to rain. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, but we don't, have, we don't want to offend anybody. God is saying, hey, look, the time is going to come where whether you want to or you don't want to, it's going to happen. And you better have a faith that's God over man instead of man over God.